everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good friend, your good buddy, Amigo Aaron. Joined by a man that I've never learned to get on with, not even after all these years. I give you the Brent. I don't want you on me at all. Well, if, <laughs> it's a valid point. Uh, that sums up my love life as well. <laughs> so, Brent. Oh, if you, hey, if you joined us last on? week, we spun the wheel, we made the deal. I often join you. Yes, uh, yeah, unfortunately. But before oh. we get into the deal we made, Brent, there's a, a special event in the ARG family this week. Oh, absolutely. We want to touch on. Uh, you'll recall, Brent, just a few short weeks ago, we covered the video pack slash Odyssey 2. And in that review, or uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, we covered two games. One of the games was a game from France uh, for the video pack called Shays Maxim. Yes. Well, amazingly, uh, during that show, I had casually mentioned, as I want to do, that uh, it would be fun to see someone port this game over to another machine because the bones of a tremendous game were there. But, of course, the Odyssey 2 video pack were two machines that were limited by their, uh, you know, their early uh, technology. They were old machines. They could only do so much. And little did I know that a man, a special man, would take up the gauntlet that very day, our good buddy Happy Coding. And in record time, Brent, he has actually finished uh, the, the port of this game, if you can believe it, and was recently featured, as I mean, just like a couple days ago, was recently fe uh, featured on Indie Retro News, uh, his new game, Shays Maxim, a uh, as a Tapper-like game for the Philips Video Pack, arrives on the ZX Spectrum as a full remaster. If you're watching us live here, I'm scrolling through the uh, the article here, and you can actually, I've got a video up here that you can have a look at, and Happy uh, and his team did the pretty much almost the impossible here uh, by porting this over so quickly, Brent. Uh, I was and masterfully. Yeah, I was privy to this pretty early on. I mean, by pretty early on, I mean several hours after they, uh, after they actually, he actually had started started making the board and stuff. I couldn't believe how quickly he put this thing together. And once he had the bones of the game, we just sat back and watched him add tweaks, add music, add artwork, change the gameplay uh, to make it more fun, make it better. And uh, what he's put together here, Brent, is nothing short of amazing. I know when I just I showed you this game, uh, just I think it was last week we sat and looked at it, and you almost I thought I thought I was going to see an emotional outburst. It, as it you watch certainly this game. brought a tear to my eye. It, the first of all, just to have something so impressive. The the sprites in this game are so imaginative. The 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 little tweaks, the little. Uh, Easter eggs in the animations and whatnot at, at, were fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's uh, um, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. It's, it finally happened. They took a a a good concept that was done in a mediocre way and really brought us something special for the I, spectrum. And as an added nice gesture to us, and we're very appreciative. I'm going to zoom in on the screen here. Uh, Happy has and his artists have put us in the game. Uh, so myself and the Brent are two of the customers in the game, uh, and these are so awesome. They really did capture us uh, yeah. quite quite nicely. 
uh, with me on the headphones and you've got your hat. Uh, it, it's very touching that they did that. I, I couldn't get over it. If you're, look, if you're watching at home, you can see the uh, I've uh, got a screen still here of me and the Brent in the restaurant. Very awesome. Now, luckily, uh, Happy is selling this game for the ZX Spectrum at a ridiculous uh, cost here. If you're interested in picking this thing up, you could get it for four bucks, U.S. Yeah. bucks. These cheap as chips. It's absolutely worth uh, $4. And then you could actually, uh, if you take the notion, you could actually uh, you could actually get him a little extra in there uh, for his hard work. This is a good game. It's a good high score game. This is a game that would have felt at home in any arcade uh, in the early 80s, Brent, in terms of the gameplay. He's actually uh, juiced up the, the, the live system to make it based on your reputation, how well you're doing at your job, which is a great idea. Absolutely. It makes a lot more sense to do it this way. It's got full music. It's got uh, everything you want. And it's one thing it does have. It's lots and lots of character. Uh, and so I think it's a, a great, uh, great uh, job that was done. So if you're interested in picking this up, uh, you can go over. There's a link off the Indie Retro News article. Uh, I've also got a uh, link that will be in the show notes that you can go directly to uh, Happy's page here and pick it up. Again, four bucks for a digital download to steal. And I believe Happy even has a, uh, a foldable tape cover. If you decide you want to put this on a ZX Spectrum tape, uh, you could just basically put it, stick it on a tape and print out the tape cover. And then you've got Shay's Maxim in your collection, which we'll probably end up doing that to Brent. Absolutely. Yeah. And somewhere that, down the that's, line, coming home. that's coming home. Yeah. Somewhere down the line, uh, we'll do that. And I also want to mention that uh, uh, I'm wearing a shirt here. I'm going to come to go to super large size me. And you can see right here. <laughs> You've been super sar- large size you for many, yeah, many years. Thank you. I've got the official Chase Maxim shirt. Uh, we're selling these over at the at the the T-shirt shop. Brady, do you remember the address of the T-shirt shop? Which, I've, of course, I've already forgotten it. Well, it's in the scroll, but I can also uh, uh, let you know you can go to amigatees.com and that will that will get you there. Yeah, so that's that's all something boat threw together, and then I picked one up because hey, you got to have it, right? Because it's it's such a cool thing. I was pleased. They even mentioned us in the article, uh, uh, the Brent, that we were that we were involved in some capacity. Uh, it's it's glorifying and gratifying to to see something like this happen. Uh, and it's funny, uh, who'd have thunk that when we put that show together, that this in a, a month, there'd be a game based on the game that we played on the uh, on the video pack. Uh, it really does. It's sort of like what we're up to. It's what we're all about on this show, trying to find <laughs> special. I mean, listen, we're not being uh, arrogant jerks about it, but it's true. We like to uh, dig through these sort of ancient machines. I saw, a, uh, I saw uh, uh, This Week in Retro in the past week, uh, with our buddy Neil from Richard Man Cave and Gima, and he was talking about having both of them talked about having video packs at their house, and that they never bothered to fix because there was nothing worth playing on them. Oh, you know, and, and these so are edu- these are educated men uh, in the land of gaming, and so hopefully, and I, I sent Neil a, 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 a message saying, "Hey, wait a minute now, uh, there's plenty to play. I don't think you've explored the library. People see the O2 and the video pack." And they're like, oh, look at these systems. They're really old. They can't put the graphics down. And there's a lot of good fun. And that's sort of what this show uh, enjoys doing is going into these uh, going into these classic machines and trying to pull out some good stuff. Lots of fun. And 
again, this was our good buddy, Happy Coding. Uh, check him out. Buy his game. And he was he's also been on the last couple uh, international computer clubs, if you want to check out his work. He's also working on a Donkey Kong uh, port to the ZX Spectrum that is off the charts. He also did an, an Asteroids uh, port that was off the t- charts. He did a great Christmas uh, charity game that was great that was out in December. Uh, so check Happy out. He's got a Patreon. And uh, if you're going to follow a dude's Patreon so you can get on the ground floor of this stuff, he's the guy. Because let me tell you something. This isn't one of those guys that the Patreon sits around for a couple months and maybe he sends you out a uh, a notification. He's sending you out games, brother, and they're quick. He doesn't yeah. screw around, and they're not garbage. They're top-shelf games. Happy coding. Give him a shot. So, And there, uh, there is a wheel piece currently on the wheel that, if hit, I'm sure one of us is going to be picking this thing. Yeah. And to give a proper review in in, in true ARG fashion. Yeah, we'll, but we'll definitely we'll, have we'll a look We'll talk at about this. that more as uh, when, when and if the wheel piece does hit. Very good, Brent. So, back to the business at hand, Brent. We didn't spin the wheel last week. We made the deal. This week, this was an interesting category, uh, Brent. Bam. Games, we've come around on. Yes. Uh, Brent. Uh, you know... Uh, I'll have to say that when this popped out, I really had, I had more than a little trouble coming up with the game. Uh, to be honest with you, most of the games I thought about that I'd come around on were Amiga games that me and Boat had played on Amigos over the years, and maybe some that me and you even played on there. And and so, but when it comes to most other systems, I'm sort of one of these people that I don't really change my opinion all that often. I, I don't, it takes me a little while to form an opinion. But, you know, I, I don't usually change it. And I really, really struggled. Uh, in fact, I had more trouble with this one than I've had with almost any of them. Uh, how did you uh, do this time around? I, I Much differently. Because the way I looked at this category was games I played in my youth, right? And either I couldn't comprehend or didn't have the skill set necessary to appreciate what they had done. Um and in that regard, there's there's a lot of games. There's a lot of games that uh, I've played in my youth and was like, you know what, this is too hard or this is stupid for whatever reason. And uh, uh, I had quite a few to pick from. Uh, other ways of looking at it is concepts that you thought were garbage that, that didn't pan out in your mind and you kind of wrote them off before you even played them. Uh, and in that regard, in that class... The Telltale games. Uh, These are the sort of choose your adventure type games, right? That's that are right. Out, like based on shows and stuff. That's right. And I, <clears throat> I always discounted them. And I ended up, oh, about, it's been about five or six years now. I went and actually tried some. I, tr- I picked up some of the Batman. I picked up the Batman one. And I enjoyed it so much that I picked up some of their other titles. Uh, another Batman one. Um, with the Borderlands one, and ended up really liking that type of game. It's now it's very um, Dragon Layerish, where you don't. It, it's partially playing the game, but it's more a interactive story. <clears throat> and I didn't think I was going to like it, and ended up really having a lot of fun with it. So it, it just goes to show you can't hate a game before you try it. And even if you do hate a game, 
sometimes you just have to go back and learn and become more intimate with the concept or the controls or the uh, uh, story at hand, and you might end up really liking something. So I enjoyed this category far more than you did and, and had a, a far less problem finding a suitable game to present this week. You know, it's it's funny. I did come up with a couple that I would have that I could have put on the list, but we'd already covered them amazingly. Uh, one of the games I hated when it came out was uh, Mortal Kombat 3. I just I couldn't stand the fact that they'd added uh, an extra button to it. I didn't like the combo system. In fact, I'm still not fond of it. Let's be honest with you. I think Mortal Kombat 2 is the pinnacle of the series. But it, I thought that was one that I. It took me a while to warm up to. Uh, another one I didn't like uh, when it came out was Time Killers, which I ended up lo- really getting into. But I really thought it was really lame when it came out. It's funny how a lot of these are fighting games. That's another one I wasn't into. And then that one big one I thought was absolute garbage. I mean, I remember waiting for years for it to come out, and it, when it came out, I was so disappointed was Street Fighter 3, the original Street Fighter 3, which was, if you consider how long we waited and how many sequels the second one we sat through, I mean, if you, as far as I'm concerned, Street Fighter 3 was a, a huge disappointment. And it wasn't because it didn't look good. It looked okay. Oh, it looked incredible. But the characters they added were, I thought were just good. I still don't like the majority of them. Now, when they came out with their, I don't know, 15th iteration, yeah. And they went back and they'd added like a lot of the characters that you enjoy. Then you I came to grips with it, but that original lineup was horrible. And they were uh, the characters never had such a beautiful game. It's so many ugly looking people. That old man, all his, and that the the the, the British bot. I didn't like any of those guys. Dudley, all those guys. And so it took me a long time to warm up to that. Really, I never really warmed up to the first one. It took a while. It took many sequels. Thankfully, it's Capcom. So I knew, and by the way, I'd go to the arcade when that came out, and I was going to the Kentucky Arcade hot and heavy uh, when when Street Fighter Three came out. And I'm telling you, that game was uh, not liked. It did not, because they, yeah, they had two or three of the cabinets there in the arcade, and it got little play. Most of the people playing it were the Asian students that were still into it, but it meant the, most everybody else had moved on to like the Tekkens, stuff like that. They had given up on Street Fighter Three. And it took, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if it was more popular everywhere else. I can only speak for the arcade I was at at the time when it got uh, released. But that, we thought that was a, a huge dud and a huge misfire from Capcom. So well, those are those are a couple that come to my head. The, the uh, funny thing about Street Fighter 3, and I just want to touch on this real quick. I, I also hated it when it came out. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I some of the reasons were the same as yours. I, I didn't like that they completely... Uh, removed so many of the characters that I've come to love and that they uh, uh, added in these characters that, in my opinion, did not fit the Street Fighter 2 universe. Right. But uh, the other thing that bothered me with it was the animation was too smooth. The uh, There was too many frames of animation, and I felt like it actually... Uh, affected the gameplay and i know that sounds silly and it actually is, it felt it wasn't slower but it felt slower to me yes. when i played it yeah it's, yes. i felt the exact same <clears throat> it's funny for once we see out of eye on something uh, I, everything you just said i agree with it was so smooth and the characters were so large it felt slower than what i was used to and yeah. it, it which is odd i'm not sure it was 
I mean, the yeah. first one, I don't think it was super speedy, but it wasn't slow, you know. Well, I mean, it 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 goes to show when you wait so long to to go to the next iteration of your of yeah. your game that people have have already locked it in their minds what something's going to be. And when it's not that, they they tend to be disappointed, even if it's a decent game, because at its core, uh, Street Fighter Three is a, is a is a good game. Well, yeah. the, the later iterations of it, uh, when it first came out, like the, the it was just not enough, uh, not enough characters. I think something else that hindered it was the fact that they'd released in the interim after Street Fighter Two, they'd released Street Fighter Alpha, and Street Fighter Alpha was was, great. was a beautiful game yes. that played fast. The newer characters in it were much more inter- interesting. They were more based in the in the universe of, of Capcom, you know, you'd because you'd seen a lot of these guys, and it was the and they'd released two or three of those by then, and so that was almost the spiritual successor to Street Fighter Two. Yeah. So when this came around, it seemed very foreign, and I don't mean from another country. I mean just it doesn't seem like a Street Fighter game. It looked almost more like a Neo Geo game, like a jacked up Neo Geo game. In terms, it was just it felt different. It was hard to warm up to. So, with all that said, Brent, it was our duty to uh, pick a couple winners here that we that we could talk about. And I, and I, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I mean, I, the game I picked this week, I wouldn't say it was like uh, in my all time favorites list, but it was one that I definitely warmed up to over the years. I'll go ahead and lead the dance uh, this week, Brent, uh, with Alrighty. my with my choice. So, you guys know I'm a wrestling fan. Uh, from way back, and so I loved all the techno wrestling games. I loved Matt Mania. I loved WWF Superstars, and I loved WWF WrestleFest. I mean, we owned a WrestleFest, one of the all-time yeah. great one multiplayer of the best game, games. wrestling games ever. Yeah. So, I remember, oh, not not one of the best. Yeah, I remember walking into an arcade uh, at Marshall University when I was going to school there. And this uh, game honed into view, and that game is WWF WrestleMania, the arcade game, uh, Brent. Uh, this is a game uh, that was developed by Midway and published by Midway, uh, and it came out in North America in 95. Uh, this ran on the, on the modified Midway Wolf unit hardware, which is pretty solid uh, uh, stuff. And the guy that was the creative mind behind it was a guy who had a, a great track record in uh, for uh, for Midway, which his name was Mark uh, Termel. He was involved heavily in the design and mass and the uh, directing creative director process behind uh, NBA Jam. Uh, he'd done some work on a Mortal Kombat series, and he would go on to work on the NFL Blitz series. Uh, so this guy was had a great pedigree. Uh, for these sorts of games, um, the uh, the game got a lot of ports, and I'll get into why here in a minute. But I'll just go ahead and touch on them now. Genesis and the, uh, the 32X got ports, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, uh, Saturn, and DOS. So it was a successful enough arcade game to get all these ports. So I'd mentioned that I really enjoyed uh, the original games, the WWF games in the arcade. Uh, this game was a whole different beast, absolutely, uh, Brent, than those games were. Uh, and why? Well, what they had done is, listen, you're coming off a, uh, a very successful uh, run of games with the Mortal Kombat games and the NBA Jam games. And uh, Mark uh, Termel uh, wanted to uh, do a fighting game. 
but he didn't want to do anything that would step on the toes of uh, Mortal Kombat. And so he looked for a different license, and what they came up with was the WWF uh, WrestleMania license. Uh, WrestleMania is the big event every year that the WWF, now WWE, holds, uh, usually around April or into March. And in fact, it's coming up here shortly, the uh, the newest WrestleMania. And it's been going on since, I believe it was 1984, 1983, somewhere in that area. Uh, so this was a, wrestling was still fairly hot in 95. It was actually in one of its cooler phases. But still, in terms of a fighting license, you could do worse. And so what they decided to do was license a bunch of WWF characters and make a Mortal Kombat-style game where you would digitize uh, the actual people and stick them into the game, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, digitizing and capturing of the of the actual wrestlers. Now, this came at an interesting time, and I'm going to give a little backstory on this before I tell you why I liked it or didn't like it, and ultimately learned to like it. Uh, this came at an interesting time in wrestling because there we were coming off uh, uh, the steroid trials, and so the WWF had unloaded a lot of their huge guys, and so. Get you know in the previous WWF games you got Hulk Hogan the Ultimate Warrior you know these big monster guys well in this game you'd got they'd gotten rid of there was no Hulk Hogan he was gone the Ultimate Warrior wasn't there and so you got a roster that was comprised of like I don't know slightly lesser known guys uh, they in had, some cases yeah yeah uh, you've got eight wrestlers in the game. Uh, to to play, and you had also had commentators, and you had a digitized crowd. Uh, the look is quite striking; that it's got a fully digitized ring, ring sides digitized, all the fans out in the crowd. This is the one of the better looking games you're going to find in terms of using this sort of Mortal Kombat style or NBA Jam style graphics. They did a real good job uh, grabbing that part of it. So uh, you get eight wrestlers to choose from: uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Bam Bam Bigelow, Yokozuna, Doink the Clown, Alex Luger. I was talking to my uh, buddy, or I was talking to Bo the other night. The sad, one of the sad truths about wrestling is that these guys don't live very long, especially these guys from the 80s and 90s. And of that eight-man roster, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, Yokozuna, and Doink the Clown have all passed away since 95. And they, it wasn't long after this game was released that they that they passed on for various reasons. Uh the funny thing about the game is at the time, the world champion was a guy named Diesel, and he was not in the game, <laughs> which is interesting. And Midway had requested some other guys to be in the game, the Steiner brothers, but they'd already left uh, the promotion. So there was a lot of weirdness that went on uh, when it came to making the game. Even they, they, they brought a guy in named Adam Baum, and they fully digitized all of his parts, but they never used them. So he was he was not in the game, but his digitization was made. They also had planned on having Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, in the game, but he never showed up <laughs> to do anything. <laughs> because one one thing you're, I, that I read over and over about these guys is that a lot of these guys were had real bad substance problems. And Mr. Perfect was one, and the two major players were Razor Ramon and Doink. Uh, and ultimately, that's what killed Doink. His real name was Matt Bourne. And he just he was uh, he had all sorts of problems and and uh, Razor Ramon has been fighting uh, that sort of stuff for you know Scott Hall for years and years, so uh, it's a Mortal Kombat game. It's funny I was reading how they made the game. One of the things they had to do was since unlike unlike a game like Mortal Kombat, this had a lot of moving around and running and stuff where you had to uh, and I guess Mortal Kombat three they may have used this technique as well. But they brought in to capture these guys running. 
they brought in a horse treadmill and they would put these guys on it and they'd have them run. One of the reasons we know so much about the background of this game is because the WWF filmed all kinds of footage of it to put on the ends of their videotape releases. So they used to plug these all the time on the show and you would get tips and the wrestlers would give you the tips themselves. So it'd be like Sonya or like uh, Liu Kang being like, hey, here's how you do my fireball or whatever. <laughs> kind of weird. That's that weird area that the wrestling blurs, you know, uh, when it comes to that stuff. Uh, if you look in the front row of the game, you're going to see a bunch of the designers, including including uh, the, that Mark Trammell is in there. Also, uh, if you've ever heard of him, there's a, there's a DJ called Man Cow. He's in the front row. There's a lot of that stuff going on where they've stuck themselves in the game. You know, it's a it's a uh, um, it is a Mortal Kombat style game, uh, and so you would expect there to be finishers in the game, and there were going to be finishers. Uh, they ended up only putting one finishing maneuver in the game that was for the Undertaker, which is appropriate. He does a move that brings a coffin up out of the ring, and he kind of grabs the guy you spite and throws him in the coffin and closes the door. So it's that's kind of funny. Uh, it, a lot of people there were rumors that the WWF didn't like the, the fatalities. Not true. Because in the in the sequel to this, they actually all the guys say fatalities. Uh, that what happened from what I've read, they just ran out of time. And yeah. They, on, on getting, it's probably the same reason that they didn't put in atom bomb. They just ran out of time uh, on on the on the guys. So uh, this ha- this is a game that has uh, uh, like uh, I think it's like five button layout. I believe it's got uh, uh, light punches and light kicks at a at a block. I believe. It might be only four. It's been a lot since I played it in the arcade because I do my buttons differently in the home when I play this in the home version. Uh, the uh, the button combinations in this are not really. It's a different sort of game than a Mortal Kombat. It's got a different flow. Uh, it's not back and forthy as much. I mean, you're it's uh, you're pretty much all the time you're pumping the buttons, uh, and you're ta- like a lot of the the moves moves you do in the game are like hit forward and tap light punch several times. Or, or uh, to run, you have to hit two of the same buttons. Uh, so it's button combinations. It's a little bit more like the button uh, combinations. It's a little more like something like, say, Time Killers than it would be like a Mortal Kombat. Uh, there's no blood in the game. But when you hit people, stuff related to those guys will fall out of them in a weird way. Yeah. For example, <laughs> like if, you hit, if you hit Yokozuma, the, Yokozuma, the big sumo wrestler, hams come out of him. If you hit Bret Hart, hearts come out of him. Uh, if you hit doink, bowling pins come out, I guess, because he juggles. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of a weird, it's kind of weird and funny that that happens uh, when you whack them. Uh, the guys have a combo meter at the top. You go two rounds uh, and you've got a combo meter at the top. And when you fill the combo meter, you can do one of two things. You can kick out of a pit attempt or you can also do your combo. And the combo is getting sane in this game. Usually the combos are done by initiating a grapple. And then going around the horn on your buttons, like in a circular manner or reverse circular manner, they'll have different combos, and they can get insane. Like you're picking the guy up and doing crazy stuff. The, all the moves that are over the top. The Undertaker hits guys with tombstones. Like Doink will hit you with his like electric handshake. He'll give you the old electric handshake. The buzzer, the, yeah. Yeah, the uh, buzzer. Uh, Razor Ramon, his arm turns into a giant razor, and he cuts you. It's all this crazy, over-the-top you know, maneuvers. And it's unlike other wrestling games where they t- sort of try to stick to actual wrestling. This is much crazier. And there's really only one pin attempt uh, at the end of the round when you've because they've both got you've both got life bars. So the pin attempts are sort of an, just stuck in there. You could 
you don't even have to pin the guy. Your guy just automatically will run over and pin him if you're not even involved in the pin. <clears throat> so that's a little bit about the game and how it works. Uh, there's two different uh, modes you can play, Intercontinental and WWF Championship mode when you start the game. One's harder than the other one. One has uh, more. Uh, uh, one of them has more handicap matches than the other one does. So it's you know it's it, they do a lot of that one on two stuff which I don't like. Uh, and you can also have two player games where you go for the tag belts. So with all that said, what did I not like about this game? Well, I like the traditional wrestling games where you actually played it like a wrestling match because that's what I'd grown up playing it. This was so wacky and over the top. And just felt so, it doesn't feel like any wrestling game I've ever played. And as amusing as it was, I mean, because you've got all the digitized guys, they all look good. They all yeah. they spiced them all up. They had their entrance music. There's a little bit where they run to the ring in between each round and they play their tunes. Uh, uh, it, it's funny. It's got tons. The commentary's funny with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. Uh, it's, it's, it's fast paced, it's certainly not boring. Uh, the reason I didn't like it was it had nothing to do with wrestling. It was, and also at the time it was so cartoony, and that's the kind of wrestling I didn't like. I like the more actual, like pretending it's real type wrestling. And so this was so over the top and ludicrous, and I can never come to grips with it as a wrestling game and as a Mortal Kombat game. I had trouble with it as well because it was weird to play a Mortal Kombat style game where you move in and out and up and down. It's like you've got all that movement you're not used to eight directional movement that you're not used to in a fighting game. So it was tough. It was hard for me to uh, come along on it on any level. What did you think about this one, Brent, when you first saw it before I get to why I changed my mind? What did you well, think about this one? Uh, I played, this was in our local arcades, of course, uh, right beside the Mortal Kombat machines. <clears throat> and I, I, I dabbled with it. It was not something I spent a ton of time on. I'm not nearly the wrestling fan you are. Um, but I appreciated it enough to give it a try. And I always felt like the arena-style combat, because that's what it is. It's arena-style combat, uh, a la like Pit Fighter. My goodness, how many times are we going to mention Pit Fighter in a month? Um, <laughs> Who knew? Pit but that's Fighter. What, literally, that's what it is. It's a yeah. Pit Fighter-type environment uh, without the crowd interaction. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, the, I thought the the graphics were spectacular. Oh yeah, you could absolutely tell who everyone was, and they all had their traditional looks. Yeah, um, it was uh, incredibly difficult. Uh, once you get to handicap matches where you're fighting two people at the same time, you almost never have uh, enough time or energy to deal with more than one opponent. And that was something I really hated because uh, I could usually get through the single-player matches, and then I felt like the game cheesed me out. Um, the other thing is, The Undertaker is such a more developed character than the rest of the roster, and I don't know if that was a time thing where they they pretty much could only like work with one character or maybe Undertaker is just who they finished first, but he seems like such a more complete character with his move sets. Well, I mean, all He's the guys the only... have the same exact, I mean, they don't have the same moves, but they've all got the same amount of moves, but his moves are more impactful. Maybe think, that's what I'm trying to I say. Think part of it too, is he's just an easier guy to make stuff for. Cause his characters, I mean, he's so at that point he, he was pretty well established. I mean, come on, Bret Hart, 
He's a technical wrestler. What kind of crazy stuff are you going to be? He's not going to hit guys with gravestones and stuff. Well, here's what I'm saying, though. He, uh, Undertaker, not only had two projectiles, one of which would freeze your opponent, uh, he also had a a uh, forward forward punch move that would grab your opponent and let you do moves or something you haven't really mentioned much yet. There's a combo system, combo meter in this game where if you have a full combo bar and you grab a guy, you can pretty much drain like 66% of their health if you do a full combo. Well, I mentioned the combos, but yeah, you can do a, if you know the combo, you can do a lot of damage. And the one thing the Undertaker doesn't have that a few guys in the game do have is lifts. Uh, Yokozuna, uh, Lex Luger, I think Bam Bam, they they can actually pick you up like over their head and lift you as a, a as a button combination, and it's very handy to do. Some guys have them and some guys don't. That doesn't mean you can't pick guys up like with a choke, like Undertaker does, or a grapple. But that the the lifts are handy, so it, that's a nice addition. I mean, did you like this thing when it came out? No, no, I, I didn't uh, because. To me, it didn't fill a void which I had. If I wanted to play a fighting game, I had my Street Fighter 2s and my Mortal Kombat's uh, and some of the more sprite-based games at the time, Killer Instinct as well, uh, that I enjoyed more. I didn't like the the arena-style fighting system. It was um, it was tough to get used to. And I also, like I was saying, I felt locked in that I had to play The Undertaker. Even though there were characters that I would have much rather played, I felt The Undertaker was the only character that I could get in there and actually get anything done on. Because I felt he was so overpowered, it was tough to beat the computer as anyone else. And and Now, that said, uh, much like yourself, after getting this home and learning a more uh, uh, some of the intricacies of the game, it's still not one I'm going to pull out over, say, like, X-Men versus Street Fighter, but I have come to enjoy it more than I did when I had to pay 50 cents per play. Yeah. The, you know, we I should mention, we we bought this game and brought it home. We actually, In fact, I think we still owned a PCB uh, somewhere in the, Brent's, in the menagerie down in Brent's basement. Uh, but, uh, by the way, my favorite guy was Yokozuna, ironically, because he could do the lifts. And you can do a lot of nice combos with him. Uh, but uh, the, each guy had their own strengths. And I think after I played it for a while, I, I had a better grip as to what was available to do maneuver-wise. Because this is a game, at, at first play, you're going to stink. It's gonna take, it does take a while to understand the concepts behind how the fighting works. Moving around in, the, uh, in, in uh, different directions that you're not used to in a fighting game. And really, arena combat games, it's not like there were tons of them back in the day that we were playing. I mean, this is a, it right. is a different feel. I do prefer one-on-one matches as opposed to two-on-one or even tag matches. But, I mean, it is what it is. That's just the way they did it to you know, prolong the gameplay of this thing. Uh, I should mention real quick before I get into my final tally, uh, this did get a lot of ports. Uh, Super Nintendo Genesis 32X uh, got ports of it. And also the uh, uh, some of the disc-based systems, PlayStation. The PlayStation uh, is your uh, de facto best port. It's highly regarded. Saturn port's good. DOS port's good. The 32X port of this has been called the best 32X game there was. So Wow. Yeah. And because it, <laughs> it, it improved on Genesis port quite a bit. The worst of the bunch is the Super Nintendo, which they actually didn't include. Yokozuna wasn't in it. There was another guy that was uh, a Bam Bam's not in it either. So you lost... You know, two guys out of eight 
Yeah. Not so good. Yeah. When your roster's already small, you can't you can't take losses like so get, that. That's get, ridiculous. Get this. According to Wiki, replay magazine report. Now I, I I don't know what the context of this report is, but this is what Wiki says. Replay magazine reported WWF WrestleMania the arcade game was the third most popular arcade game at the time. So I don't so I guess if you look at the climate then, there was probably a lot of good stuff out there uh, at the time. Uh, and this game was actually wi- well regarded, well received. Yeah, uh, when and it, it got a wild out. release, just not by us. Uh, there was a sequel to this. It wasn't in the arcade; it was only at home. It was called Night uh, Six. They released WWF in your house. Uh, it was on Saturn, PlayStation, and DOS. It included ten wrestlers. Some of the same guys came back, but you also had guys in it like uh, uh, Vader, Gold Dust, Ahmed Johnson, Triple H. Uh, we're all in there. Uh, Ultimate Warrior was in there. Uh, as well, uh, so you you had a different array of guys, and and ironically, I guess they caught they got Mister Perfect to show up to the studio because he actually did commentary with Vince in that one, and in that one, everyone's got a fatality. So, with all that said, why did I come around on this game? Well, Brent sort of nailed it. Getting this back to the house and playing it for one thing, it's funny how when you buy something, you're more inclined to like it. And I don't know why we <laughs> bought it, just because I like wrestling and it would fit in our cabinet, okay. But I I I enjoyed to uh, I went to enjoy this a lot more. It's so stupid that it makes it sort of fun. It the, it's so over the top wacky, and the fighting system in it. I mean, is this my go to fighting game? No, but it is a good party game. You could get people in there that don't know what they're doing. They could figure some moves out and still have a good time. And if you get good at the game, it, the the combo system is. It's, I don't know, it's sort of cheap in a way, but it is entertaining to watch someone get combos off because they're insane. I mean, you're blow, you're jumping up in the air and choking someone like seven or eight times, hitting it with about 10 tombstones or whatever. You know, every character's got a different combo. All the characters this are completely different, completely. And yeah. that's, you know, so there's, I mean, they're very unique. And it does capture that moment in wrestling where, I don't know. Wrestling was pretty much down, real down, you know. And so this is if you're going to make a wacky game, this was the exact time to make it because wrestling was pretty wacky at the time. So I did come around on this one. It's not my favorite, uh, but, I, you know, I'll take it. Well, uh, to I, add to that. Yeah. Uh, something that happened when this hit the arcade is. It didn't play like other fighting games. Yeah. And oh, it wasn't something where you could just take a move list and figure out what was going on. The combo system, it's like they took a bunch of fighting games and tried to mesh them into one because the combo system is very uh, Killer Instinct-like. It's all about you start your combo and then you keep doing your button presses and it keeps making the combo longer and longer. Yeah. And it, it's timing-based. It's not... Uh, stringing the animations together like in a Street Fighter. Uh, also, there, there's reversals in the game uh, that you are all timing-based. And for me, when I got at home, I started looking into more of that stuff. I started learning more of that stuff. And I started to appreciate what they were trying to do. I personally don't think they did it very well. I, I think the combo system is actually uh, feels more tacked on than anything else because you use your combo bar for so many different things. It allows you to kick out of one pin attempt. It allows you to uh, 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 do a finisher at the end of the game. You have to have a full combo meter, that kind of thing. If you're the Undertaker. Yeah. And uh, it 
but I learned I learned to appreciate at least what they tried to do, even if I didn't think they did it all that well. I think the game is fine. I disagree with you th- saying this is a party game, though. I don't think this is fun for anyone to just step up and play just like I did in the arcade. I, I, I think that's a horrible way to play it. I think this is something, if you if this interests you, if arena combat interests you, if wrestling interests you, if you, all those criteria are met, yeah. uh, you should give this a look because it's deeper than it looks on the surface and it does control really well and it does it, it looks fine and it sounds good although the sound does get very repetitive uh that's something because of the announcing crew that's something to be aware of but i this game it, it's okay it's okay i would have liked it more with four players like the wrestlefest i mean if you compare this to wrestlefest that, oh, whole different. It's yeah. a whole different. I mean, it's amazing that they're <laughs> somewhat related, I guess. But yeah, WrestleFest is a game that is more playable t- to your average person. But this one is a lot more fun to look at. I mean, it's quite a looker. That's for yes, sure. And it's all, it's very exaggerated. Yeah, which makes it yeah fun for an audience to watch. Uh, this is probably the 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 most fun for an audience to watch fighting game there is because it's so over the top. I uh did find a review from the all games guide from 98. They gave the game four out of five stars. I didn't get any discord action on this. I found this game to be pro much like a lot of WWF games to be profoundly unpopular among non wrestling fans. They don't seem to like it that much, which is funny because it did so well in the arcade and it got ported into so many things. And then it got a sequel that was a home release. So someone somewhere liked it, but I guess it was just mostly wrestling fans. It's funny. I looked this up on eBay, Brent, to see how the arcade machine was going. I couldn't find anyone that had sold one recently and there was none up for sale. I did see that the PCBs uh, were going for 350 bucks in that area. And hmm. the marquees are going for around thirteen bucks. The marquee on this thing is a non-rigid, uh, slip-in style marquee. Yeah. It's not a, uh, it's not glass or plastic or anything. So it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, flimsy. Not that, not that great. And pretty generic looking as well. And the cabinet itself isn't like what I would call any great shakes. Uh, I think that you could use. I think this was a conversion from Mortal Kombat uh, two, I believe, or maybe three. I don't remember which one. So that's a look at WrestleMania. I did come around on it uh, uh, to a certain degree, and it was the one that came up in my brain the most when it was when this uh, when this category came up. So, with all that said, Brent, you also had an epiphany. I was surprised when you picked this one, but I'll, and I'll get into why. But uh, what did you uh, take on this week? I also went to the arcades, Aaron, but I pull, came back with Gladiator. Oh man! Arr! I kept wanting to call this game Trojan all week. Boat kept correcting me. Completely it's not Completely different game. I know. Holy cow! Completely different game. I know. <laughs> no, this was Gladiator released in the arcades in 1986. Uh, got ported to a few systems afterwards. The Amstrad, CPC, the Commodore 64, and the ZX Spectrum. And we will come back to those ports in just a little while. I don't think I've ever played a port of this ever on any system. I didn't know they've been ported like that. That's amazing. There you go. Uh, Well, it's probably because those ports were called the Great Garanos uh, instead of Gladiator. That's dumb. Well, no. Gladiator was already a game. So they had to call it something different. And and, uh, that's the, the... name of the t- of the character you play. All right. So that's what they named it. Uh this was an arcade game like I said released in 86 by Taito and 
developed by Olimer, and it has you... <laughs> this is a weird arcade game. <clears throat> Even when you watch the story bits, it doesn't really tell you what you're doing. It just kind of throws you in there and says, you know what, you go figure it out. It, it gives you some of the, the uh, bios of who your opponents are, but it doesn't really tell you why you're doing what you're doing. So this is a game that's really broken into two parts. Uh, there is a walking segment where you have to uh, dodge obstacles and block incoming fire on your way to, to getting to your opponent. And this is a side-scrolling segment of the game uh, where you auto-scroll left to right and are forced to uh, uh, take on all the different projectiles. And the projectiles are based on what level you're on at the time. So, like, on the first level, uh, you're walking down a, a almost looks like a throne room type uh, great hall, and they have things like bats and uh, 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 different projectiles, fireballs. And after you do that for a while, you come upon your first opponent and then it becomes a fighting game. And this is a fighting game like none other where, well, actually there's lots of games like this, but it, ha it it's not a street fighter, throw your fireball type game. It's gladiatorial combat. You have your sword and your shield and you are faced against someone else that has a sword and a shield and you have to block high, middle, or low and you can attack high, middle, or low to try to uh, disarm or disembowel your... Uh, opponent before they do the same to you. The combat in this incredibly fast paced, incredibly uh, uh, hectic, especially if you don't know what's going on. And that is where you, we have to talk about why I hated this back in the day. Now this was released in 96, which would have made me what nine, I believe. And I played this in the arcade and this was Unlike arcade games at the time, usually you've got your stick, your stick moves you around the screen, and you've got a button, and maybe your button shoots, and maybe you've got another button for bomb, or, you know, something like that. But this game, you you automatically move through most of the, most of the segments, the obstacle segments for sure, and the up and down on the stick controls the placement of your shield. So it was a very foreign concept uh, back in 1986, at least for me. Uh, and then you had three buttons, but all the buttons are sword slashes. And the sword slashes are for high, medium, and low. Well, this was, again, this was kind of a foreign concept. Because sure, you might have games where you have one button to fire and then one button to drop a bomb. But those are two different actions where this is one action stretched over three buttons. Does that make sense, Aaron? Do, do you see as... Listen, why, the controls as, as in this game are uh, really wacky. I mean, well, the arcade it, game was intimidating to me. Yeah, but you can see as a, <clears throat> as a kid, buttons should be for sword. There shouldn't be three buttons for sword. Right, Even though right. it makes sense in the, in the uh, aspects of the game, yeah. when you're just walking up to a cabinet, you're putting your quarters for the first time... It's very uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very unusual. Yeah, it's it's very unique. So 
I played the game because the game looks fantastic. It's got these huge sprites that take up one-fourth of the screen, and they're decently well-animated, and they're decently well-drawn. Uh, but th these are huge sprites for 1986. Uh, and the the concept of the game was very appealing to me. I liked sword fighting and, and you know doing that kind of thing. But for the longest time as a kid, I could never even get to the sword fighting, fighting part because you have to go through that obstacle part at the beginning. You have to walk to the, to the fights. That's right. the thing. You have to get to them. And there were many, many, many times that I would die uh, before I even got there. And the way these the deaths work in this game is you're wearing a full suit of armor. And if you get hit by a, a sword slash or an obstacle on your way to the sword fighting, uh, that piece of armor will break off. And then if you get hit there again, uh, you'll die. So it's like you have two... You have a hit point for each part of your body, high, middle, or low. And then if you get hit there again, that takes a life away, and then you have to start that segment over. Even that, for a 1986 arcade game, was confusing. Yeah. Uh, because most arcade games at this time, if there was a life system, it was a bar, or it was three hearts. It was very well displayed and put out to the characters, oh, you can take this many hits before you die. And even a game like Super Mario Brothers, where when you get the mushroom, your sprite changes radically, and that lets you know, and when you get hit, it changes back to a small sprite. It Visually, that makes a lot of sense. If you lose your leg armor, for example, in this game, it's actually, if you don't see the hit... If you don't understand that you get hit, you might not even notice that your leg armor is missing. Uh, it, it's just, it's not that it's not well done. It's that the concept is so radical uh, for the time. It just, it's different. It, it's something you don't expect to be. So as you go through this game, uh, there are four stages. You end up fighting, typically it's, you fight three minions, then a, then a mini boss. And then the there's a final boss at the end of each stage. Uh, there's is sprite repetition. Usually the the minions you fight at the beginning are all three of the same sprite, and then you get a couple different sprites or at least a palette swap. I think they could have done a little more there to distinguish one person from the other, but it, it, it's fine because the minions, you know, they're minions. They don't deserve their own sprites. Huh. Uh, how I came around on this game, Aaron, is when I got it home, I I remembered it, and I was thinking, man, that Gladiator game, I, I, I remember hating it as a kid, but I'm going to fire this back up, and I'm going to see what's going on. And holy cow, what a difference 30 years can make. Because this is one of, when I'm scrolling through games to play uh, on, on MAME or through an emulator or whatever, I almost always stop and at least give this a play or two because the concept of it is so bizarre and so unique. And there's so much in this game, Aaron, that you don't catch on first glance. For example, uh, during the obstacle part where you're walking to your destination, 
you can pick up new shield. There's shield. There's bats that are carry carrying a shield across. You can grab that shield, and then that will make it so your shield doesn't break. Uh, normally, if an enemy uh, hits a shield too much, or if going through the obstacles you block too many things, uh, your shield will break, and it, it it it's just a little small sliver that covers your hand makes it more difficult to position it where you need to block your opponent. Um, you, When you kill enemies in this game, you can sometimes pick up their weaponry. Uh, there are animations for certain bosses that if, uh, for example, the first mini-boss you get to is, is a woman in chain armor, <clears throat> and if she slashes and knocks off your leg armor or your chest armor, she'll laugh and jump around and get all giggly. And it's actually got digitized sounds for that. Yeah, uh, it's which, irritating. And uh, there are other bosses that laugh at you when you first come up and do like little like dances. And your character is so uh, uh, frustrated with this. After the battle, you walk past the person you defeated. Well, for that guy, when you walk past him, you stab him repeatedly yeah. <laughs> as you walk past. Yeah, that is good. Uh, other things in this game, uh, you can. There's special moves. There's hidden things like if you have the golden shield and you uh, during the walking segment, if you shake your stick up and down really fast, it will create this uh, uh, magical barrier <coughs> where you can't take damage. You just walk forward and all the obstacles bounce off of the, the magic shield. You can pick up parts of a, of a sword as you walk through the obstacle stages. And if you pick up enough of them, you'll get a red sword. I always thought that was just part of the aesthetics, right? No, that's a magical sword. If you hit an opponent's shield 14 times, you'll activate the magic sword and become invincible for a few moments. Just you can pick up a club, and the club, uh, when you hit your opponent, it knocks them back farther. But then you can no longer break weapons. You can break weapons in the game. It's this incredible deepness, yeah, <coughs> to an already unique concept that I absolutely love. It takes you can tell when they made this, and this was uh, made over in Japan before it came here. Uh, all of these concepts and little add-ons and little tweaks you can jump up into the background aaron on stage three and avoid the obstacle stage you just walk on this railing uh past everything these type of ad additions uh really add to make a game that if you walked up in the arcade you played it you didn't like it or whatever fine come back look at all of this added content and bonus hidden content that really takes this game and makes it amazing. Plus just the the style of game that it is, it's very challenging. Uh some might just go in there and randomly hit buttons, you know, your sword stabs up middle or down, and that's fine. Some you can get through some opponents that way, but a lot of it is being strategic lining you know waiting for your opportunity and which makes it a really fun game Aaron what did you think of this game you know this is a game I, I remember when it came out uh and 
Uh, I thought, man, this is a neat looking game. It was always fun to watch like the demo and stuff, but I don't think I ever saw anyone that was ever any good at it. Yeah. Play. <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, it, I think, I, I think that hurt it. I doubt it did much business in the States. I didn't see it linger around too long. I think the game's very hard. I played, this game, I played this game a few times this week and I I'm horrible at it. I mean, I'm horrible <laughs> because I, you know, we were talking in the discord, Amigos Discord, by the way, come get you some. Uh, and our buddy Rushi compared this to a game called Sword of Sedan, and there are some comparisons on it. It's a game that's on the Amiga Genesis. I love, I love Sword of Sedan. A lot of people don't, but I love it. But Sword of Sedan doesn't have the same play mechanics of this, but it's also a lot slower. This game is a lot faster than yeah. you would expect for the a game with they have these big graphics. And it's a lot more in depth because really you've got to be apt with your sword. I mean, you have to have two. It's like playing the piano. Both hands are doing something independent that are equally important uh, yes. in this game uh, because your sh- blocking is at least as important as attacking, if not more important. And then the way they've got the button set up for the attacks, it's just it's a very foreign game. And uh, uh, when you play it. You can't just roll in there and think you're going to go in there and kick a bunch of booty it's all, or just ram through, guys. It doesn't work that way. It's every fight is requires skill, and, and just getting to the fight requires great blocking. Uh, that you, I mean, it's almost like it, pre- it preps you for the fight by ba- forcing you to know how to block to get to the fight. It's tough. Absolutely. You know, and so... Uh, uh, when you uh, when you take this challenge on, it, it can be frustrating. Uh, I like the concept of the armor, uh, you know, taking hits. I think that's a lot of fun, the shield. I like the fact that various bats and stuff will carry around shield parts that you can pick up. That's always, I thought it was kind of funny. These are some strong bats that can carry shields <laughs> and, 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 and swords. Uh, the bad guys in it are jerks. They do mock you. They're begging, and it, it's real fun to take them apart. One of the early fights, one of the few times I ever got there was a, is a fight where you take on a chick, and so they they do a good job of, of uh, not when you knock her off, she's from, she's a hot blonde wearing a bikini. They're not stupid, so as you knock the armor off, you get to see more and more of the bikini girl before ultimately you kill her. I don't know what that means, but she is a <laughs> jerk, so it's, you don't feel too bad about it. You know, Aaron talking about her in the Japanese <laughs> release in this game, uh, and in the very first american release of this game uh when it went by a different name yeah you would actually knock she would not be wearing a bikini underneath her armor and you there was nudity in the game oh holy moly well yeah that's interesting yeah it's still it's it's see that right there listen sex sells every fighting game is a hot bikini girl in it right and so <laughs> it's i like the idea of knocking the armor off it's the old zorro you know it's like Use your weapon yeah. to, to, to disrobe the girl. Of course, Zora didn't kill the girl. That's the way Zora rolled. <laughs> but uh, the guys in this are cool. They're also they're different. I mean, yeah, you have some power, but I mean, they've got some pretty different guys. Some huge guys are in the game, and the weaponry's different. I like the fact you have to take on different guys. I wish I was better at this game because I never had to come around on it. I just had to come around on not sucking yeah. at it. I've well, never, the, I've never heard of Alomar. I, I don't know what else they did. To be, if I'm honest, uh, 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 you know, obviously Tata, you know, and I don't know if they were a prolific uh, developer. To be honest, but I, this was a, uh, this is that era. You know, this is '86, so we're coming out of the golden age. You know, we're well out. 
But this is one of those games that is just super clever and super original, you know. But and the thing is, the concept doesn't seem like it'd be that original, but it is. Like, name another game that did this. I don't know one. Well, great you swordsman, know, but the one but, that I mean, this sort of has. If you ever played, like, remember Fighters History? You could knock off a a piece of the of their equipment, and then you would stun them, stuff yes. like that. I've seen that before. But the the way that this does hit points with the shield and stuff, this is. This is a truly unique game. I've always enjoyed it. I've always sucked at it. I sucked at it again this week, but I always thought this was a winner. Now, Aaron, this game actually had a sequel uh, <clears throat> called Balandia, and it differs a hundred percent from from what what is uh, on the screen now. This was a fighting game, like a straight up choose your character fighting game. Oh yeah, but it had the main character from this game in that game so they considered it a a uh, a sequel so a pseudo sequel at best does it control the same What's no the- no it controls like a fighting you game you know if you'd had a game a gladiator game where you had these controls and it was two player that might be kind of fun it'd probably be pretty fun to watch you know maybe maybe uh, so I, I, I talked about the ports of this, Aaron, the Amstrad CPC, the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum. Yeah. And I want to focus on the Spectrum port specifically for just a moment. Uh, you said this game was hard, right? Oh you, yeah. You had, you had difficulties with it. Oh yeah. Do you know that the ZX Spectrum game has never been beaten. What? Never been beaten. Wow. Yeah. You know why? No, it has no it, ending. It can't be beaten. <laughs> uh, when they were programming for the ZX Spectrum, the, obviously this is big sprites. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, they programmed the game first and got to the point where they had everything in, but they couldn't put in the ending scene. Uh, and it turns out, spoiler alert, uh, it turns out you were trying to get to the treasure place. Not yeah. the treasure palace. Who is the it? The treasure place. Yeah. And the ZX Spectrum version of this game they did not have enough memory left over to include the ending still of the treasure place. So instead of reworking some stuff, maybe just make it where you you defeat the final boss and just skip that, they didn't do that. They made the final boss invincible. And that was their solution to get around the problem. That is weak. That is ultra weak. super weak. weak. Yeah, that's weak. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, it's uh, unfortunate, unfortunate. And uh, something else to mention, Aaron, <clears throat> while this is, at its core, a, a fighting-type game, right? Yeah. This also has some incredibly uh, in-depth scoring for a high-score potential. Uh, different things you can do instead of just blocking objects, hitting them with the sword, that risk versus reward uh, of... Uh, attacking the obstacles rather than just blocking them. Also, every piece of armor that you take off your opponent before you kill them gives you more points. So, if, if this was this is kind of like if you wanted to play a high score game but on hard mode because it can be played for a high score game because there's a lot of unique ways to get score in the game. That's so I thought neat. that was very interesting. Yeah, that's neat. I like it. If you think about you know in a lot of games like this. Uh, you, when you have these sort of games, let's take a, a, a game like uh, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts or something, where you've got to, you know, that if you'll recall, you can lose your armor in that. Of course, it's just a mm-hmm. one shot you did. But it just popped into my head. But 
this is a usually you have you have a couple frames you make up for the lead characters. He's running or walking or whatnot. This guy, every part of him is articulated like a like a modern action figure. So they probably had to really put a lot of thought into how he moves and walks. You know, if you watch him move around, it's not like he doesn't. This game doesn't move like a lot of games do. It's 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 a it's a whole different. It's almost like there's a. Uh, uh, that you can almost see the joints and the knees and the hips and the elbows and stuff. Yeah, they yeah, really had to put a lot of it's 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 very unique game. There's no doubt about it. I'll have to try some of the home ports. I, I never knew this even got a home port, so I find that very interesting. Yep, uh, we, I believe we had a Discord. We review did. On this, we did get there? a re- we did get a review here from our buddy Pajaco. He says the first thing that you find is this is not a standard scrolling beat 'em up. I like the high, mid, and low attack block mechanic as it reminded me a little of the bonus stage on IK+. Yes, it does, actually. Fighting enemies is quite strategic as you really have to wait for your opening and then stick it to them. However, it is possible to cheese it and just button bash, hoping for a quick kill sometimes. Losing armor as you take hits is really neat as it exposes parts of your and your enemy's body for instant death, which is both good and bad, for example. I would get killed going in for a strike only to be eviscerated by an enemy. I didn't get too far with this, but what I did play, but what I did play was a little repetitive with the reuse of enemy sprites. They did use some palette swaps, but not enough. And whilst a lot of games just reuse the same enemy sprites, I think because the sprites here are big and it's one or more, you notice it more. Even though it wasn't a smash hit for me, I did enjoy playing this. I did enjoy my playing time. Something a little different. Seven out of ten on this yeah one. i think that's incredibly fair yeah um one more thing to mention on this aaron uh it in the arcade do you know what this was a conversion you could get standalone cabinets for this <clears throat> but it kit had also had a conversion kit guess what this converted from boy i wouldn't know yeah you know what this converted from probably a tato, a... probably a tato game i'm trying to think of a tato three button game with a joystick what is it? Defender. Defender didn't ha- have a joystick. So this, it, was, it was a control panel swap as well? And here's the thing. The Defender port of this, because Defender didn't do diagonals. Yeah. Uh, so in this game... Wait a minute, you, Defender was a vert, wasn't it? I, I, I'm i just telling you. I can't remember was, now. Maybe it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, it This was... Uh, could be converted from a defender and if you did you couldn't move forward and control where your up down and left up down and shield positioning was oh, it was God. one or the other so it was a, they, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense that doesn't, make just any, you. that doesn't make any sense at all holy smokes what a bizarre thing well that's <laughs> that's something Brent <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I will. I did enjoy. I enjoyed this game this week. I, I, I'm not good at it, but I did. I did enjoy it. I think I always thought this was a lot of fun. You know what else is a lot of fun, my friend, my good Me? pal? No, it's the wheel, oh. dude. It's the wheel. Oh, okay, yeah, so, the wheel. This week, the really, wheel is more fun than I am. We've got I'll two editions this week. Uh, we've got uh, the uh, retro rewind piece, which is the Vic 20, the good old Vic 20, Brent. And then as our uh, new piece this week. As suggested by Pajaco, we're doing the J2ME flip phone games. Flip phone oh games. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, listen, hey, it had to come up. It had to happen uh, at some point. I mean, right? no, that's awesome. 
<coughs> just those are a beast to emulate. All right, here we go. Any, any thoughts this week? Go, still going for burger-based games, man. Oh, it's got to hit. Here we go. You're, you don't have control this week, so you got to watch me spin it, eh? Poorly spin it. That's a good spin. Come on, give me a break on that one. And, and the winner is... Oh, you're going to... What are the odds? ARG-themed fan games. <laughs> yes! <laughs> As suggested by the bridge. <laughs> well, that should limit the choices down. There's only been a couple made... Uh, that were that evolved us, so we just covered one. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you want to play this, Brad? Well, I think we both, you and I, both know what games are coming to the table. Yeah. All right. Not fixed. I, you saw me. They're <laughs> screaming fixed. It was not. It was not fixed. Aaron, Aaron, just admit to the fans. The wheels on is controlled by a little just stick to the side. What kind of you wheel just do you hit think a we bought here, you guys? Look at this thing. <laughs> it's not what I would call top dollar. Here. <laughs> there it is. It's, it, that's one of the odds of that. But hey, it's a good time to do it. Yes. Since it just came out. So that'll be fun next week. We're going to play games that have uh, that have a ARG connection. Uh, that should be a good time. And, uh, and here's what, Aaron, I, I want to, uh, for our opening segment... I want you to start thinking about and, and, and taking a look at uh, fan-made games not based off a of property, but based off of individuals or groups. That sounds like a good mission for you to do the research on next week, since you suggested All right, that. I will. You give me the week off, and you take care of that. <laughs> you know, this week, myself and the boat took a little trip, uh, the brand, and we took a trip to the venue for the upcoming BAM it's Boat Fest, Brent. Boat Fest is coming up. Uh, if you will uh, uh, feel free to pop around for this bad boy. Let me get the exact dates and times as I never have them handy. You can always go, if you're like me and you don't know anything about the dates and times, roll over to BoatFest.info. It gives you the full scoop of what's going on at this bad boy. So Boat Fest, Friday, June 24th. 2022 and saturday june 25th 2022 uh he'll be starting this thing at four o'clock i believe we said on friday and saturday morning actually i think we're starting earlier than that saturday i know we're starting i believe it starts at nine doors open at nine and i think both nights are going to stay up until midnight it's going to be a happening here at the holiday inn express in uh winfield slash taze valley uh 941 uh west Virginia 34 herc in west virginia uh it's gonna be myself uh, the Brit boat, uh, Jack Flack will be there. Frank from Retro Rewind will be there. A good buddy, Frank, is gonna be there, uh, plying his trade. Uh, we're gonna have a cast of thousands coming down, uh, to Boat Fest. The venue looks great. Uh, if you stay at the hotel, uh, the uh, conference room we're in opens up into a very nice deck area with like some outdoor tables and also is adjoining the pool. So feel free to bring. If you're gonna if you're staying at the hotel, bring your swimming trunks, get you some pool time in while you're there. So it's a real nice facility, man. We looked at it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we, Boat's already posted a complete schedule up in the Discord. Uh, if you're interested, well, I'll post that next week in here. I'll bring that along too. Uh, there's gonna be live shows. There's gonna be all sorts of live entertainment. There's gonna be game contests. There's gonna be gaming out the yin yang, Brent. We're gonna have karaoke. We're gonna have everything. What do you think about this thing? That should be okay. Yeah, it should be fun. No, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. 
And uh, we're looking forward to it. This is the first time we've tried anything like this. And so we're going to do our best, uh, man, to get it to get it, <laughs> get it together. But we're, we're working on it, so it should be a good time. Uh, Brent, anything else you want to add before we take this to the house? Uh, I want to welcome our new patron, Aaron. Do you know who that is? I believe it's Laurent Giroux. It uh, is. Our good uh, longtime friend. Yeah, he is our newest patron. And I want to invite everyone uh, who who has a few spare bucks to to uh, give to our, our, our need, give to our little hearts and souls uh, if you have it available. We do have a Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash ARG Presents. And uh, next weekend, we will have a new closing segment uh, so we can add in all of our new people. Very so good. So if you want to get into that new segment, sign up today. Very good. One last uh, plug for our good buddy, uh, uh, Happy Coding, and his new game, Shay's Maxim. The uh, the uh, game <laughs> looks great. I'm going through every menu I've got to try to show this, but I just can't do it, so I'll do that. Uh, it looks awesome. It plays great. Based on the uh, video pack uh, Forgotten Classic, uh, you can go to his uh, Patreon page and check him out. You can also get this thing for four bucks uh, over at his page, and we'll leave a link in the show notes. But for those listening at home, I'm going to read this off real quick, Brent. It's highriser.itch.io forward slash C-H-E-S dash M-A-X-I-M-E. Get in there and pick this sucker up for the ZX Spectrum. It'll work on your emulators. It'll work on a real thing. It's totally gold money, Brent. Gold money. And we'll money. be giving a full review. Uh, we can already announce. That's going to be one of the games for next week. So we will be doing a full review. And we won't pull punches. Yeah. We don't uh, do that kind of crap. Nope. Although if we if, find flaws, if we if we find inconsistencies, we will certainly let you know. Although, However, yeah, if it's a, a little if spoiler alert, yeah. it's pretty awesome. If we're in, if, <laughs> uh, we've got this standing rule that if we're actually in the game, it gets one hundred percent. So <laughs> no, no, not, not even close. One hundred percent. So <laughs> that's next week. Uh, until then, have a nice, safe week. Let's all beg for some warm weather, and nah, we will get it that. together I next like winter. Have a good week, the Brent. We'll see you next time, everybody. So Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to Duncan Styles for our vector style graphic and Bart Pitt for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Mario Ramey, C9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalgy, Airshack, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, Orom, Super Tech Boy, David Terrence, Mr. B, Rouchy, Graham, W. Vetke, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Rathmason, Anthony Jarvis, Bitter Blitter, Pajaco6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Black O'Hara, Jason Warrens, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo NL, The Slowness, John Schaller, the On Collective, Gary Heather, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rollo. You can join us live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT, on Twitch. Hope to see you there.